Welcome to another episode of the Chronically Healing Podcast with Jesse Fritz and Christina Sangara. I am here with you super nasally. <laughs> My really <laughs> lucky self got COVID and then I got a cold right after COVID and it feels more covid than COVID did. <laughs> and <laughs> I am negative. Fair? I did test. So yeah. anyway, that's why I'm like this. <laughs> and let's just dive in. So Jesse, how have you been? What's going on with you? Um, I've been pretty good. It's been kind of an all over the place week, but I, um, I finally got, I, I don't know if I told you this last time, but I got my, I had took like a food sensitivity test. So I got those results back and basically it told me that I'm not really sensitive to any food, which is good. <laughs> I guess, um, I have like a low sensitivity to basically all forms of gluten, which I really, for a while, wasn't eating any gluten anyway. And I feel like in the last few months, I've like let it slide a little bit. And so that's probably, it was like gluten oysters, which I never eat lima beans and like Brazil nuts, which is interesting because a lot of people with thyroid issues eat Brazil nuts because of the the selenium. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, which was, it was just interesting to know. I think I've talked about it on my stories and stuff on Instagram, but I've had a lot of issues with like weight that I haven't been able to get rid of. So, you know, it's sometimes it's like, you want it to be the like, quote unquote, easy thing. Like, oh, I'm allergic to cashews and it's like making me bloat all the time or something. I'll just cut out cashews and I'll magically lose 50 pounds. Right. That's like what my brain wants. (laughs) But, um, but this is helpful in its own sense. Like she said, it showed that, um, for the most part, I don't have like much of a leaky gut or anything like that, because it would be showing a lot more issues there. Um, the test I took also kind of shows if there's like any candida showing up and there wasn't. So those are all good things to hear. Um, so kind of just going back on my gluten-free game, getting back on it. Womp, womp, womp. Right. Which <laughs> for the most part I've been, it's not that bad. No, it's really not. And like, for me, um, the hardest part is like going out to eat, but like yes. at home, I easily can cook without gluten, but I've just gotten lazy the last yes. like couple of months. Well, so. the, the going out to eat, I completely, oh my gosh, I've been really trying to just shift some habits that creeped in the last two years of chaos. Mm-hmm. And my biggest trigger is when I am not in control of like my environment or if I have to go somewhere, if I'm home, I'm good. It's mm-hmm. when I'm invited to a dinner or right. on a trip or something like that, that I start to struggle. And I didn't used to, I used to really stand strong in my <laughs> convictions. Right. And I just, I'm trying to get back to that place where I can, I can do that and not feel that anxiety. So I'm with mm. you on the social. It's definitely a hill to climb. Yeah. Yeah. So like I said, it's good to know that like, I don't have any crazy outlying food sensitivities sure. or anything like that. So that was really helpful. I'm glad that I did that. But um, but yeah, so that's kind of been the biggest thing over here. What's been happening with you besides the cold, COVID cold? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like the last time, the last intro we did, I was also talking about, I, I'll just say like 10 out of 10, don't recommend COVID. <laughs> it's just like not fun because it just seems to have wreaked havoc on a lot of things like my cycle, right. my uh, 
my health in general. Yeah. I think my immune system too, because I never get sick like this. Like back to back sick is not a thing for me. Yeah. So anyway, other than that, I I've been talking about how I've been going through Manifestation Babes program. I, I yeah. won the scholarship. And oh my gosh, I'm just that's been taking up most of my time in a good mm -hmm. way. Right now I'm learning about the ego. So get this. I'm learning about how the ego is our wounded seven year old self. Mm. So if we think of it like this, the chaotic world we live in makes so much sense because it's a bunch of wounded seven-year-olds. <laughs> it's like asking a wounded seven-year-old to pay the bills and cook dinner and take care mm. of the house. Like, it's no wonder all this BS exists in the world because we're all operating. Uh, not like we. I mean, we're perfect, right? Like, we're not oh, Right, us. exactly. <laughs> so, that was That was sarcasm. <laughs> Sometimes it doesn't come through as much on audio on the way audio. it does on video. <laughs> yeah. But what so essentially what I'm when I see this, it's like, oh, that's your wounded seven-year-old self. Mm -hmm. I can look at it like that instead of like you freaking bitch. <laughs> it's right. a whole different energy when I can mm -hmm. come with a little bit of grace. So I like that. I'm starting to see it very clearly in my own behavior. I'm starting to see it. So I know we gotta actually talk about who's on the podcast, but I just want to say one more thing. <laughs> Jesse, red yeah. receipts. I'm going to give you an example of ego in play. Red receipts. Red receipts drive me nuts. Yeah. Because if I can see that someone read a message and then doesn't reply to me, and God forbid they don't reply to me for several days, right? The ego, the wounded seven year old self is screaming. I have this <laughs> desire to be seen and heard and validated. And I don't like that feeling of someone not liking me and quote unquote abandoning me. Mm -hmm. So, there's this program I want to enroll in, and I'm not going to use names because that would be awkward if he listens <laughs> to this, but I want to enroll in a program, right? I messaged the dude on Saturday, and I get it. It's a weekend. No big deal. And don't hear back till Monday, but on Saturday, he read my message, and he got yeah. onto Messenger several times throughout the weekend. <clears throat> and then on Monday, he responds, and he responds with, like, another question, and then I respond to that question, and now I'm waiting again, and he read my other message. So... <laughs> The old me would have been like, F this guy, like he's playing games. But mm. now I see that's my ego. Really, it's that I have issues. It's not a big deal for someone to take a couple days or even a day. Like a weekend is basically considered like one whole day, right? It's me. I need that instant validation. I need that instant response. Mm -hmm. And it's like I have some work to do clearly. And just so that kind of stuff just is helping me navigate these moments in my life where I feel really triggered. And mm -hmm. I feel this like, you need to respond right away. And I'm able to look at it with that bigger lens. So that's what's yeah. going on in my world. I know that's pretty deep, but I love I just, that though. Right? Like, it just feels good to know, like, oh, I'm being triggered. This is the me issue. That this is not a him issue in this particular scenario. I I need to just have some fucking patience. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh wait, are we allowed to say f bombs? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Sure. I mark this as explicit. Oh. <laughs> so Ooh, that sounds that sounds a little dirty. I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that. That's funny. Um, so anyway, yeah, that's what I'm going through. Lots of ego work, and mm -hmm. um, it feels really good. It's it's hard. I think I told you. I think maybe that's why I'm getting sick too. So yeah. But let's talk about the episode. I know that this was a really good episode. You and I have both dealt with our fair share of sleep issues. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things I really liked personally was how we dove into the anxiety around trying to achieve perfect sleep. Mm -hmm. 
I had a coach who basically said, you know, sleep should look like this. And so because Mm -hmm. my sleep doesn't look like that, I really struggled that I had actually more sleep anxiety. So I broached the question with him. So definitely listen to the episode. We used to have set first and second sleeps, Mm -hmm. our, our, our ancestors, and maybe our body has not we, we only shifted to this new type of sleeping in the industrial revolution era to mm. make it so that we could actually fit inside this new box that had been created. Mm-hmm. So we talk about that, which I really liked because I do think it's important to just listen to how we feel and not just, you know, did I sleep through the night? Did I wake up at all? Oh, that's terrible. You're supposed to sleep <laughs> through the night, you know? So I personally really liked that because I just think that sleep dogma is just as harmful in a lot mm-hmm. of ways because so much of sleep issues is in our mind. So if we're stressing about getting good sleep, how are we going to get good sleep? Right. So that's what right. I take away from it. Did you did you mention that that it's with Devin Burke, his name? I did not mention <laughs> that it's with Devin Burke. This episode is with Devin Burke. Thank you. I love how you guys are getting a very real version of Jesse and myself. <laughs> we're like, wait. No, but I, I agree. And the reason that I wanted to bring that up is because the previous episode – was with Emma and that was about sleep apnea. So this, and this one's very different. And while they're both talking about sleep, they're talking about it in very different ways. And I think like you're saying with Devin, it was just really interesting to hear his take on sleep because I feel like so many practitioners, whatever that we work with are like, you have to sleep. You have to sleep eight hours a night. You have to have a night routine. You have to have this, you have to have this, you have to have perfect sleep, like what you're talking about. And he's like, that's just so hard. Like in perfect sleep is different for every, for every person. So I think this is really helpful for anybody out there. And I'm sure that there's a lot of you who have ever been told you have to sleep better than you are right now, or you're feeling stressed out that you're not sleeping well. And there's so many things that go into it. There's hormones, there's, you know, stress, there's like literally so many things, especially for women out there. There's just a lot. Um, and I think we talked about too, like for you being a mom and like how that can affect sleep. So there's just a lot with it. It's very different than Emma's episode. Um, so I just wanted to bring that up because while they both say sleep, they're very different. (laughs) Yeah. Sleep disordered breathing is a whole different type of sleep issue, like complete and total. And so that's a really good distinction for sure. Yeah. And sleep disordered breathing in that episode, we talk a lot more too about the uh, overflow that can contribute to anxiety during the day. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah. Nice. So we're excited. We're excited for you guys to hear from Devin. He was great. I wish you guys could have seen the video version because he was wearing a sleep hat and we were very <laughs> interested <laughs> in his hat. He just comes on with this big hat with his sleep. Um, but, but yeah, so if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and whatever, you know, podcast network that you listen to, make sure you uh, review us. If you haven't already, that really helps us grow. And then join us over on our Facebook group, chronically healing community or you can follow us on Instagram, Chronically Healing Podcast. But without further ado, let's jump into Devin's episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Chronically Healing Podcast. My name is Jesse Fritz, and I'm here with my co-host, Christina Sangara. We're so excited to be back with you for another week and another podcast episode. Today, we are talking to Devin Burke. We're so excited to talk to you. So welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk to you as well. Of course. So why don't we jump right in? Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and your favorite topic that we're going to talk about, which I can already tell on your hat. <laughs> yeah. Sleep. 
Sleep. Yeah. This is my, my podcast hat sleep. And then we were just talking about the humidity in South Florida. So my hair sometimes gets a little wild. Hence the sleep Let's see cat. it. Now you have to show um, us. No, it's not, it's hair. not too crazy, but oh, okay. <laughs> it looks pretty good. It's like a Thanks. natural wave, like a, like a surfer wave. <laughs> there it is. I got the surfer wave. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a little bit about me. Uh, gosh, how did I get, I, I'll, I guess I'll, I'll give the quick version because it actually is a quite a long story. Um, I was actually going to become a doctor of physical therapy, um, got into some doctoral programs after I graduated with a major in health promotion. And I realized I wasn't that passionate about it. So took a two and a half month sort of trip through Europe, came back, realized, hey, what the heck am I going to do with my life? Met health coach. Mm-hmm. Didn't know that was a thing. This was uh, probably about going on 15 years ago now. And so learned about health coaching, decided, hey, this sounds great. Um, so went back to school for health coaching and nutrition. And then I really got into performance psychology. And I started to work with a lot of high performing entrepreneurs, business owners, um, started studying a lot of mindset trainings. And one of the people that I was working with at the time had issues with sleep. And mm-hmm. I'd studied all these things like nutrition and mindset and movement. And, you know, but I never thought about sleep. I thought mm-hmm. it was a waste of time. Mm-hmm. And long story short, when I started to look into what was available for people that had sleep issues, I was shocked. Um, medication. And then if you're lucky to find a good CBTI practitioner. And so I said, hmm, let me, let me look into this more. And the more I looked into it, the more fascinated I got by how important sleep is. And so long story short, I started to study sleep, got a couple certifications in sleep and then started to experiment with my own sleep and, and also working with this one client and I, I was able to help him. So I said, mm-hmm. well, if I can help one person, I can help thousands or millions of people. And so that leads me up to what we're doing today with Sleep Science Academy, helping people that have chronic insomnia get stay asleep using a holistic approach based in science. Mm-hmm. And I was, I guess we'll call it podcast stalking you. I do this to all of our guests where I listen to an episode of something you've been on just to get a feel for your story. And there's something that you mentioned that really stuck out and I wanted to talk about it. It was about how poor sleep during the, or poor sleep at night is due to our stress levels during the day. And I, and, and you feel that that's actually almost one of the most important aspects that was different for me because I always hear about don't, don't watch blue light at night or follow all these rules, quote unquote. Yeah. Can you expound on that a little bit? Because, and the reason I think this is so important is we know that stress is so much about how we respond to it, right? It's not the actual stressor itself. Mm-hmm. One trauma for me could be nothing to someone else. But this is so important. What do you think is happening at night due to our stress levels during the day? That's making this thing. Cause you also talk about how the body knows how to sleep. And I freaking love that. Cause that's so mm. true. That's it's designed to sleep. We use sleep deprivation as, as a torture yes. method, right? Like that's how mm. important it is. There is no one who does not need sleep, mm. but what do you think is happening at night where our body knowing that it knows how to sleep is not doing that. I'm just curious about, I, I would love to expound on that. Yeah. So I I like to give the analogy of if our bodies are like, they're kind of like batteries that pick up charges all throughout the day. And a charge is, is, can be, uh, you can think of a charge as a stressor. And so all day and not all of it, these, these charges are negative. Sometimes they're positive. Sometimes they're negative, but we're picking up these charges and they store themselves in our body battery as tension and pressure. And oftentimes people feel this tension and pressure. If you're sensitive or if you're mindful enough, you feel it in your neck and shoulders, you feel it in your face, you feel, maybe you feel it in your stomach. 
um, maybe you feel it as a constriction in your chest, essentially it's your body getting into what's called a sympathetic nervous system response or fight or flight response. And there's these micro sort of episodes that happen all throughout the day that um, build up in our body battery. And then at night, we, you know, if we don't discharge all of those sort of things that we collected throughout the day, we have a hard time getting back into the parasympathetic, Mm -hmm. which is the rest and digest state, which allows rest to happen. And it does happen naturally. It's not something you need to do try. Uh, there's nothing you need to think about in order for sleep to actually happen. That's one of the biggest misconceptions that traps that people fall into is thinking that they, they can control something like sleep when it's, it's not something you can control. Mm-hmm. So does that, does that, is that helpful? Does that analogy make it totally, sense? Yeah. The analogy makes a lot of sense. And I find that, so back to how people, how they actually manage these charges and whatnot, what do you think people might be doing incorrectly or for lack of a better word, let's just say incorrectly throughout the day to not manage these inputs and outputs that are yeah. leading to this kind of accumulation at night. So part of it, I think is people's just lack of awareness. You know, we, we learned how to manage stress from people that didn't know how to manage their own. So we don't have oh God, most so of true. us, <laughs> you know, so we don't have good references for how to productively handle stresses. And most of us, I have this framework that I teach called the stress triangle. We either lash out in anger, which leads to a loss of relationships. We zone out with TV, social media, um, you know, movies, sometimes it's work, which leads to a loss of quality time, or we numb out with food, alcohol, and drugs, which leads to a loss of health. And so this is how most of us discharge or try to discharge our stress. And then we repress, we suppress and repress some of it consciously, some of it subconsciously our emotions, because, um, we're not, you know, we, again, we're, we're kind of learned to not feel our emotions or at least the negative ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all this is a form of, of charge. These are all, these are all points of, of pressure or tension or energy that gets stuck in the body, um, that then affect us being able to sleep. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm digging this. And I just want to, so tell me if I'm on the right path here. When you say this, I'm thinking there's different things we can do to move energy from the body. One of the things I love to do is clear my energy. Even after this interview, I freaking love doing this, but it is an energy exchange. So yeah. I like to recenter and re-clear my energy or clear my energy. I like to dance. I love shaking. I love breath work, journaling, meditating. Are those things that you would recommend for moving that energy and helping that that battery charge that accumulation of the let's say negative inputs from starting to dissipate? hundred percent. We call that shifting. And it's like, we're always in a state and Anthony Robbins talks a lot about this. You're always in a state. Essentially. It's like you're, you're in a negative state, a positive state. And I kind of, I have a framework around this as well. It's either you're in a high negative or high positive state or a low negative and low positive state. And there's certain emotions that correlate to each of those sort of um, high negative, high positive, low negative, low positive. So we're always kind of in this, this quadrant, a quadrant, if you will. And it's so, so, so important to understand where you are and then also have some tools for shifting energy or moving energy. Like some of the ones you mentioned are fantastic breath work, uh, shaking, moving, um, you know, depending on, you know, it could be puzzles. It could be playing music. It could be hugging somebody. I mean, that's an incredible way of shifting is getting into back in parasympathetic, just like giving somebody a hug, your kids, your dog, your partner, whatever. 
Um, so there's all these little things, physical touch, um, self-care essentially. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be like macro. Like you don't have to go and, go and take this. Yeah, <laughs> you, you don't have to go like in between meetings, go take a hot bath and like mm -hmm. do like full bonus <laughs> meditation. It's like, it doesn't have to be that, although that'd be nice. It can just be like literally a five minute shift, a five minute reset. Um, so you can discharge some of that en energy that, that gets built up in the body. Mm -hmm. This is resonating so much. Go ahead, Jesse. Um, sorry, I totally cut you off. No, you can finish finish what you're saying. Well, I was just going to say, so what I like, the reason I like this is I, I think that, like you said, a lot of people are really, they don't even see this happening. Mm -hmm. And how many people go through life with anxiety and depression and that subtle unrest that lives within them and they don't know what it is, right? If you were to ask them, they wouldn't really be able to say necessarily like, this is what it is that's making me feel like shit every day. Mm -hmm. But when we go deeper, how are you managing your inputs and your outputs? How are you managing, let's say you have a stressful interaction with someone, are you just going right into something else? Or are you taking time to recenter before you go into, I'm, I will say that I'm, I'm working on this. I'll go from being at our studio, I own a fitness studio with my hubby. I'll go from there straight to home. I don't transition. And when I get home, I go into my next job, my next role of mom, and it's really overwhelming for me if I don't take time to recenter my energy, get ready for my kid to barrel toward me and need <laughs> me at like 125% capacity. And so then I'll feel really kind of like bitchy and just, uh. And if you were to ask me what it is, I couldn't necessarily tell you, but it's usually that I have not managed my energy. And I wonder yeah. what would happen if we just became more aware. Mm. Yeah, that's a hundred percent. It's, I mean, part that that's sort of the foundation of, of any change, right. Is awareness. And oftentimes people don't even slow down enough to create the awareness yes. to then even begin to, to unfold what might be going on as far and, as a response. And they're thinking of sleep separately. So mm -hmm. it's life and then sleep, right? But it's, it starts in the morning. That's what leads to that sleep happening at night. And I think that that's also an important distinction. A hundred percent. Yeah. And most people will take their days into their nights. Mm -hmm. And so it's, you know, sleep and stress are bi-directionally linked as well. So the more stress you experience, less sleep you experience, less sleep you experience, the more stress you experience. And so this is, this goes on and on until you figure out, well, how do you get out of this stress response, this loop that happens? Um, we're a big believer in, at Sleep Science Academy of awareness training of creating, you know, space, creating mindfulness, understanding your thoughts and beliefs, understanding the power that your thoughts and beliefs have. And it's, it's amazing people that have addressed, uh, chronic sleep issues purely on a physical level and have not been able to resolve their issues. Once they really start to dive into the psychology of it, oftentimes they have breakthroughs mm -hmm. and they're able to, you know, solve their 30 year insomnia journey that they tried all the things, you know, the acupuncture and the, meditation and in the crystals in their bed and the, all the things, right? So our minds, know. you know, it's, it's what we do, what we think, all the things, you mm -hmm. know, you can't separate the day from the night or the night mm -hmm. from the day. And I think those things do help the things that you just mentioned, but that's the icing. That's not the foundation, mm -hmm. right? And it sounds like the work that you do is that foundational piece. And then the icing is, you know, the other kind of woo woo things or, and I, I do have a question later about uh, some other stuff, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, I just want to say I'm, I'm digging this, this whole path we're on. Yeah. yeah. 
So we kind of touched on it a little bit with like self-care, but I'm wondering, I remember, well, I used to be really big into like promoting morning routines until I got really stressed out and depressed and I no longer had a morning routine. But what's interesting to me is everybody is so big on this whole morning routine idea, but what about night routines and how that can help you with your sleep? I know when I was working with a functional medicine, um, nutritionist, she was really pushing me to focus more on my night routine and how much that could actually help me wind down for sleep. So what do you say for those things? I think both are important. You know, the, how you start your day and how you end your day mm. really are powerful because you, you, you know, you have mostly you have control over how you start your day and how you end your day and what happens in between. Sometimes a lot of it's out of your control. Things are constantly getting thrown at you. Um, and so preparing, I call it like putting on the armor for the day is your morning routine mm. and then taking it off mm-hmm. is what happens at your evening routine. Mm-hmm. And again, like people take their days and their nights. So morning, you know, great night of sleep starts as soon as you wake up because how you wake up and what you do in the morning sets the tone for the day. And again, the day dictates how you're going to sleep at night. So, and then that transition, we call it a bed buffer mm. between your day and your night that's Mm -hmm. really that kind of wind down process that a lot of people just totally disregard. Mm -hmm. Um, it's like, that's such a important key time to allow the body to shift into that rest and relaxation space. Mm -hmm. Like, and it's not complicated. It's like, treat yourself like you treat your kid. You know, you tuck them in, you put on some clean pajamas, you know, you, you know, you read them a bedtime story. It's like, do that for yourself and you'll start to sleep better. Yeah. So what, um, I feel like with sleep, we hear a lot about how it increases your happiness, how it can promote weight loss. I've heard a lot with that as well, and it can decrease your stress. How does that play into it? How does stress or how does sleep affect those things? Yeah. So when we're not getting enough sleep, it really, what it does is first and foremost, it dysregulates two very important hormones, ghrelin and leptin. Mm right? So ghrelin is a, the hormone that signals, Hey, it's time to eat. Leptin's the, the hormone that signals, Hey, we had enough. And so what happens is those hormones get all kind of out of whack. And mm-hmm. so we're hungry, but we don't know when to stop eating. Right. And then we're, our willpower gets, you know, totally goes through the floor and now we're making bad decisions. So rather than having the water, we have the soda mm-hmm. because our, our bodies and our, our minds tired you know, we have this cognitive fatigue going on. So we're, we're eating all the wrong foods. We're not knowing when we're full and, and it's, um, it's a vicious cycle. And then, and then your body is stressed and usually how people deal with stress. One of the most common ways is to eat because mm-hmm. it changes your state instantly. Mm-hmm. So that's a recipe for, um, for, for disaster. And then on top of that, the, the hormone cortisol, it stays elevated and that stores fat around the midsection. Mm-hmm. which is not really because your body's saying, oh my gosh, we need to, we're, we're under, you know, this is a stressful situation. We need to store, we need to, mm-hmm. it's a protection thing. Our body's very intelligent. And, and that unfortunately creates, um, I mean, it's, there's a lot of studies that link obesity to, to sleep deprivation, but that's, that's how that's, that's sort of what happens and why that creates such an issue for people in their weight. So Devin, I have kind of an interesting question for you, and this has more to do with my own sleep journey and my thoughts now on sleep. So I have a two-parter. Let me give you some background. 
I had really severe insomnia where I would not sleep for two days in a row. And it wasn't mania. I always make that distinction. I I'm, I don't have a bipolar diagnosis and it wasn't at all fun. <laughs> I was exhausted. It's like my body just would not sleep. And what I have since learned about the nervous system has been just freaking groundbreaking for me. But I will say what I came to learn is I come across a lot of people now, I would say myself included, who they might still wake up a couple times a night. And when I don't, are you like this? When I, when I'm struggling with something, I become an expert on it. So I will just freaking dive in and just be like, yes, now I understand it. And I, so I started learning about, for example, pre-industrial revolution, first and second sleeps. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but prior to the industrial revolution, we used to go to sleep for three or four hours, hang out, do whatever for a couple hours, go back to sleep. So there's this argument that, that's, that's been made on several different occasions of, well, is sleeping through the night, one, necessary, depending on how you feel, but two, is that even how we're wired or was it how we forced ourselves to be wired so that we could produce more in these factories? And I'm just curious about your thoughts on this. If someone is waking up a couple times a night or, you know, but they wake up and they feel good, they feel refreshed, they're able to get through their day. What are your thoughts? Are, are you someone who thinks that sleeping through the night is an absolute and that that's the only measure of, you know, truly sleeping well? What are your thoughts on that? You know, that's a really fantastic question, Christina, and it's a hard one to answer. Um, so I believe the body has an intelligence that it naturally will do what it needs to do. And it's oftentimes we get in the way. And I say we, meaning our thoughts and beliefs or our habits and, and uh, actions. So I, you know, I think that it's not an issue if you're waking up. I think it is an issue if you're staying up once you wake up. Mm -hmm. um, and the Good reason thing, yeah. And, and the reason is because every 90 minutes, essentially we come out of a sleep cycle and sometimes we are conscious of that. And some, oftentimes we're not. So if you, if you're waking up and then you're up for several hours, um, and you're not, and that's eating into the amount of sleep that you, you know, need, that's a, that's a problem. Um, so, but if you're waking up and you're, you know, you're able to, you're, you're up for a little bit and you're able to get back to sleep and you're not, you're getting enough sleep. Um, and the, that sleep is quality and it's not disrupting the, you know, the deeper sleep cycles and you feel okay. I mean, maybe that's okay for you, you know? So I, I think that there's not a right or wrong. It's what's right for you. And that changes over time. Mm -hmm. uh, I think people, it's just like diet. There's not one way of eating. There's a, there's a, a way of eating for you. And that evolves as you evolve through the course of your life. And so it's just like sleep, you know, sleep's going to evolve as you evolve. Like, you know, I, you know, when, when you're a mom, for instance, you just have a baby right? You're, you're going to be a little bit more, not, you're not going to be getting the same sleep for, and yeah. that's design. <laughs> it's, you're not supposed to, you're, you know, you gotta be breastfeeding your baby. Like that's mm -hmm. evolutionary. Like you're going to you're not going to get into these maybe as deep sleep cycles because mm -hmm. you need to hear if you're, if your baby's crying and, and you know, all that. So it's like, I, I really, I, I'm always hesitant to say like, this is right. And this is wrong, mm -hmm. which um, I love. That's such a great approach. Mm -hmm. Well, it allows us to stay curious. Yes. And I think that's, what's really important because if we're curious, then we're going to experiment. Yes. And if we experiment, then we're going to find what works for us. Mm. And so that's really, and if we're like, Hey, this is right. And this is wrong. Then it kind of creates this 
extra stress that doesn't really need to be there. That's why I asked that question, because on my insomnia journey, I started to feel stressed out because I wasn't sleeping through the night, but I was sleeping so much better. And maybe I woke up a couple times, but I fell back asleep or whatever. And but I didn't sleep through the night so that I would get in my head about it. And then the next right. night I would sleep poorly because I'm stressed about not sleeping <laughs> the yeah, right we, way. So if you would have found us when you were having that issue, we would have been able to help you very quickly and easily to get mm -hmm. out of that paradox. Yeah. Most of the clients that we help are in that paradox of mm -hmm. they're actually now anxious about their sleep yes. because maybe they, they know how important sleep is and they know how they feel when they don't get it. And now it creates this like extra, like, Oh my God, I need to sleep. And if I don't sleep, I'm not going to be able to show up and for my clients and you know, my health's deteriorating and all that. And then they get anxious about it. Mm -hmm. And that's like, that anxiety is the very thing that keeps them from sleeping. It's very yes. paradoxical. It really is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned light sleep and I, I wanted to touch on that. And I feel like Jesse will have some thoughts on light sleep because you mentioned that you're a light sleeper. Hmm. I feel like I became a light sleeper when I became a mom. Ever since I've become a mom, I do not sleep the same level of, let me give you perspective. I used to sleep so deeply that I once slept through a tent rolling down a small hill and I did not wake <laughs> up until the bottom of that hill. Wow. <laughs> I woke up to people being saying, Tina, my family calls me to Tina, wake <laughs> up. <laughs> wow. I used to sleep really deep and it's like a freaking switch when I had my kiddo and she sleeps through the night now. No, no problem. She's four now, but I still wake up. The, if I hear her rustle on the little camera thing, it's like, I just, I wake up so much easier now. I, I definitely sleep so much better from my insomnia days. I actually ended up having sleep apnea and that mm. was major to learn that I wasn't breathing 20 times an hour. And now that that's treated, I sleep a lot better, but um, I still definitely sleep really, I would say lighter than I am accustomed to. And I, do you think there might be something in there that's related to the why, like you mentioned how moms are wired a certain way? Yeah, and hormonally, you know, you change as well. Like totally. after you have kids, you know, after met a lot, I think it's a uh, statistics, I think 60% of women during perimetopause, menopause, postmenopause, at some point in that journey have insomnia. Yes. Um, and it's, you know, it's hormonal, but mm -hmm. then it also becomes, there's the physical aspect of that, but then there becomes the mental aspect of that, because if you care about your health, then you start to get worried and concerned about it. And then that becomes a whole thing. And then it yeah. becomes this, this, this downward sort of spiral. Um, so there is absolutely a physiology to, to take into account when we're talking about sleep and, and the, there's a lot of heavy psychological element to this as well. It's, um, both are important and it's, it's, an, and it's important to just kind of understand, well, how much of your sleep challenge is psychological versus physiological. A lot of people have a very hard time sort of understanding, um, how much of the challenge or the issue ongoing issue is in which bucket i mm -hmm. totally that you i was thinking buckets when you said that i i, I wonder if some people let's say you know 10 percent of it is physical 90 percent is psychological but they think it's 90 percent physical and 10 percent psychological we find that to be true um mm -hmm. we find that to be true and it's it makes perfect sense because as humans you know when there's a problem and people treat sleep like it's a problem and it's not the problem it's just a symptom or it's a result that something's out of balance. Um, we look for tangible ways in our world to solve it. So we're going to use 
we're going to get a new mattress. We're going to, you know, take some medication or some supplements or rearrange our rooms, or we're going to do things that we can see, right? That makes a lot of sense, but you can't see your thoughts. You can't see your beliefs. Mm -hmm. You can't see your feelings, but all those things have way more to do with how well you sleep at night than a mattress or the situation in your supplements or your whatever, whatever you're taking. Um, And most people just totally disregard that. And it makes sense because again, you can't see these things. They're not tangible. They're the Mm -hmm. unseen. Um, So it's hard to, you you know, you really do need somebody that understands how to process and and sort of evaluate and guide you through that unseen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, and we talked about this a little bit, but bio-individuality is like so important with all of this stuff. And I feel like every time we talk to anybody about any topic, it's always like, I, I disagree with anybody that says this works for everyone, no matter what, right. No matter what you're talking about, I think that there's always something to it, which, and you kind of just mentioned it a little bit, but I'm interested in talking about supplements because I feel like you can't talk about sleep and not talk about supplements. I feel like a lot of people I know growing up when I couldn't sleep well, my mom was like, Oh, pop a melatonin. Like it was just like the only thing that we ever did. And so obviously we can't give like supplement advice or tell people exactly what to take on the podcast. But like, what do you think of supplements in general and the melatonin? I've heard like good and bad things about melatonin where you shouldn't take it or you should take it. So what's your experience with that? Yeah. So supplements should supplement a healthy lifestyle. Right. Right. And a lot of times people want to just take the shortcut, just give me the pill. Mm -hmm. We're kind of uh, marketed and sold to be like that from the pharmaceutical companies. So just swap a you know, supplement for a pharmaceutical kind of mentality here. Right. Um, although there are a place for supplements for sure. And there's a lot of different amazing supplements that exist that can help people depending on what their sleep challenge is, whether they, they have issues initiating sleep, which is like sleep onset mm-hmm. or trouble staying asleep, which is like sleep maintenance. So the most popular one, absolutely. Jesse is melatonin. I mean, it's mm-hmm. hands down. You, you go any CVS, any, you know, grocery store that sells supplements, whatever GNC, most of the sleep supplements are going to have melatonin. Now it's important and the to understand. Drained. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's drained. Like... It's drained. It's strange. You see it. It's, you know, it's, um, I, I'm in the, the, the camp of melatonin's a hormone. It's, you know, melatonin's regulated in the EU, meaning you need a prescription to get a melatonin supplement, mm-hmm. but here people, like you said, your mom used to give you melatonin. People give it to their kids. It's mm-hmm. a hormone. So it's kind of like, would you be giving your kid testosterone pills or estrogen <laughs> pills? Probably not. <laughs> I, I, you know, like, so is it, does it have that big of an effect on the body? It, it can, it, you know, it can, um, our bodies naturally produce melatonin when the sun starts to set. We mm-hmm. definitely do things that kind of get in the way of that natural process happening. But there was a meta-analysis done, meaning they looked at all the studies using melatonin in sleep, and it showed that it didn't really help with onset or maintenance. It didn't. It was more of a placebo, if anything. Um, and also, the other issue with it is a lot of the companies, even the same companies that sell these supplements with melatonin in it, the dosage when tested was, was like extremely off up to like 400% off, meaning it was either 400% more or, you know, less than, than what was on the label. Yeah. So you don't even really know how much of this melatonin you're taking. Mm -hmm. That being said, 
melatonin as an antioxidant, I think as far as it can be amazing. Um, and I know a doctor in the West coast of Florida who uses high dose melatonin in, um, his practice to help people with, you know, extreme health conditions. Mm. Um, usually it's, they're using it as a, uh, like a melatonin en en enema or a, uh, suppository, excuse me, suppository mm -hmm. high dose. So there's a place for melatonin. I think it's, I think it can be amazing antioxidant. Um, but I just don't really, I'm not in the fan of using it for sleep. Mm -hmm. So I've gotten into this rhythm where there's this book I read about hormones. It was so, so insightful about women's hormone cycles and sleep. So there's specific times of the month where estrogen, for example, is peaking, melatonin might be declining while cortisol is rising, just depending on where we are in our, in our cycle. What I have learned is I try to sleep without any help at least half the month, if not more probably more like 21 days out of every month. And then there's probably seven to 10 days of the month where I get help from a supplement because of things like I don't sleep well during the, the full moon. I don't sleep well during certain times of my cycle. And it just every single month like clockwork. And what I do is I microdose. That sounds like shrooms, but <laughs> I microdose uh, melatonin. I just mm. take 300 micrograms because that's the other thing is even let's say you are getting what's on the label. People are taking five, 10, 15 milligrams. Our body produces, I think 0 0.5 milligrams naturally. So yeah. we're taking quadruple plus <laughs> the amount that our yeah. body naturally produces. And then we wake up with this melatonin hangover, yeah. which help doesn't help us throughout the day. So I do a micro dose of plant-based melatonin. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called herbatonin. Mm -hmm. And then I do uh, a, something called ProSom, which is L-theanine. By the way, this is not medical advice. Disclaimer. <laughs> this is what I do. But then I take something that has L-theanine, magnolia bark, and magnesium. And that will help on those nights. But I always tell people never take something every single night because your brain will start to think that it needs that mm. in order to initiate and stay asleep. What do you, do you think that's true? Like if we take anything all the time, even if it's natural, the body just kind of gets addicted to it. I think it's absolutely true. Absolutely. And I think there is a time and a place for sleep supplements, but you mm -hmm. don't want to rely on something hundred percent. Yeah. Because it also, you become psychologically attached to it. Like yes. I need to have this yes. or else I'm not going to sleep, which isn't true. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, it's like how they say you can't be addicted to weed. And while I think that's probably true physiologically, <laughs> I do think people get addicted to the feeling that it gives them psychologically. Right. You know what I mean? hundred percent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I'm a big fan of a lot of the supplements sort of individual supplements that you just shared, like L-theanine. I love L-theanine. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing amino acid and it absolutely can help relax the body. And mm -hmm. it's amazing. Um, and yeah, everyone is different. And I think that, you know, the quality of the supplements that you're taking, the dosing of the supplements that you're taking, how the intention behind how you're taking it, these are all really important things to consider if you're going to take a sleep supplement. In my book, uh, the sleep advantage, there's an entire chapter on all the sleep supplements. It's the last chapter for a reason, mm -hmm. because it should be the last thing you really look at when you're considering improving your quality of sleep. But each, you know, there's, there's some of my favorites, you know, it's, um, CBD is a great one. High quality mm -hmm. CBD is a fantastic, um, supplement that without THC, I assume, cause I know THC can suppress REM, right? It can. So it does a little THC is actually 
better if you're taking CBD because it it's synergizes the CBD. Sure. Um, so if it's completely gone, it's, you're probably not getting as much of the activation of the endocannabinoid system that mm-hmm. could be possible if you had THC, but too much THC, just like alcohol does get in the way of REM sleep for sure. Um, so, but that's, that's a great one because it also has a lot of other health benefits as well beyond just helping you sleep. It helps with a lot of other, you know, just health in general, um, inflammation yeah. and, you know, all, all, all things. So kava kava roots, another one that I'm a huge fan of right now. I love I've heard it. of kava kava a lot lately. What, what about kava kava is, can you talk about that a little bit more? Yeah. So kava kava is a root from the Polynesian islands. Um, and they be, used it for centuries as a ceremonial sort of drink and it doesn't taste good. It's, it's, uh, it tastes sort of like muddy water. There's <laughs> a lot of kava bars here in South Florida, actually one right down the street, me and my wife sometimes go on dates to the kava bar and then go sit in a sensory deprivation tank after that's sort of our, <laughs> you know, you're a health nut when, and you know, you've met your life partner when. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, 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 we end the night with some sushi. So that's sort of like, <laughs> but that's, that's one of our, uh, yeah, that's one of our go-to date nights is kava. And then, and then the sensory. Yeah. But anyway, so kava it's, um, it's amazing. It's, a, it's a, it, what it does is it acts as a natural sedative, um, but it doesn't deplete the GABA system mm. in the brain. So a lot of like SSRIs and things that people take for sleep, they actually, they deplete the GABA system in the brain, the receptors. And it's been found that, um, that Kava actually is like restores these receptors, uh, has a reverse intolerance. So meaning like the, the more you drink it, the less you need. Like with mm-hmm. alcohol, obviously, the more you drink it, the more you need to feel intoxicated. It's mm-hmm. the opposite with kava. Um, I did a whole on my YouTube channel. I interviewed a cop, like literally the world's most educated man on kava um, on this topic. And he really went into deep science around all the benefits of it. I've experimented with it myself. It absolutely can help it numbs your tongue. It kind of numbs your body. If you, if you, if you, um, you know, if you're a sensitive person, it absolutely kind of puts you in a, in a relaxed state. Um, which, which again, if you're in a relaxed state, the chances of sleep happening are, are increased. So, so anyway, mm-hmm. that's a little bit about Kava. Jesse, we should try it. Yeah. And then we'll, and then we'll talk about it on the podcast. Yeah. Our Kava be- experience. <laughs> yeah. So I'll, I'll give you a little warning here. So just yeah, your tell first me. time, just don't, don't drink like three cups, like literally just take, a, <laughs> take it's I had uh, in college. Damn I, you, Devin. I was numb everywhere. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't drive home. Well, it's, it's one of these things like, you, you know, you want to ease your way into drinking sure. it. Um, and it definitely, you might want to put a little chocolate sauce in, in your coconut okay. cup the okay. first time as well, because it's, it does taste pretty rough. Jesse and I are easing type people anyways. We talk <laughs> yeah. about that. That's why we haven't done some of the things that are more popular, like microdosing, because yeah. we mm. are control freaks and we mm. like to oh. be running the show. We don't want anything <laughs> telling our body what to do. Yeah. Well, I'm a fan of microdosing, actually. I, yeah, I am too. I wish yeah. I could do it and not freak out. <laughs> I, I want to be that person who steps well, into that experience. <laughs> a true microdose act is sub, it's sub, um, psychoactive. So like mm, a, true, okay. a true microdose would probably be like, um, let's see, probably a qu- maybe like one tenth of a gram mm-hmm. of psilocybin which really you shouldn't feel 
very much. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you're feeling something, you're not microdosing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and there's, I mean, hey, and there's a place for that too. If you're, yeah, yeah, if, yeah. If you're, you know, if the right set setting and you know whatever. Yeah. But I've heard um, really good things about that yeah. for mental health and all sorts of different things. I'm a huge, I'm a believer, and I'm invested in it. Um, yeah. a lot of, um, I'm. I've had my, my own experiences with it, positive. I've heard a lot of people and there's a lot of science around it as well. And it's one of the areas I'm, I'm very interested in actually sort of looking at how people with insomnia can use um, microdosing as a therapeutic tool. Yes. Um, we poo-poo the, the natural stuff a lot. And you know what's funny is 40% of our pharmaceuticals come from plants. Mm. And if we just let that sink in for a moment... All the things we now call alternative, that used to be the norm. Now, mm-hmm. I know dose is important. It is nice to be able to, instead of just taking a little bit of tree bark, we can actually <laughs> measure the tree bark and know how much we're getting. Yeah. There's something to be said. So one of the, the ones that comes to mind is the one for diabetes, metformin. Metformin mm-hmm. comes from a plant. Mm-hmm. That's amazing to me. And when we think of it like that, plant medicine takes on a different meaning, right? Mm-hmm. It's no longer yeah. just this alternative thing that we, it's it's actually, to me, foundational and it was made for us. And then we just kind of got away from it in service of the pharmaceutical world, which that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. It's, it's uh, well, I think we're kind of circling back because people are realizing, you know, the side effects and kind of seeing through the whole like pharmaceutical <laughs> um I've never met anyone. I've never met anyone taking a hardcore like I, get, I don't want to say the name and get sued, but let's just say a hardcore sleep medication. I've never met anyone taking it who has amazing sleep, mm. which is well, really interesting to me. There's a reason for that, and because a lot of those medications are sedatives, and they're what they do is sedation. There's a difference between sedation and sleep. Mm-hmm. So, like I give the analogy, if someone came up and just like knocked you out. With like whatever, like knocked you out and you were passed out on the floor and someone walked by, they went, oh, that person's sleeping. Mm-hmm. No, they are not sleeping. They <laughs> right. are knocked out. And that's right. literally what these drugs do. So, you okay. know, I've heard, I, I could tell you some really crazy stories about people that I've spoken to across the country that have done really crazy things taking these While medications taking as well. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like one guy, I'll just, I'll just share one because it's just. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. I want to hear it. <laughs> he. He went to sleep in his own bed and he woke up in jail. Yeah. Whoa. And so he, and he doesn't he had, remember that at all. Had no recollection. His so his wife actually uh, was they were separated because of his irritability because he wasn't sleeping. He went to sleep. He, his wife was usually the one that kept him in the house. Mm-hmm. He took his sleeping medication, slept walk into the car, got in his car, drove down the street, and was at a stop sign, hands on the wheel, just like staring into space. He was asleep. Well, he was sedated. He wasn't asleep. Cop comes up, pulls him over, arrest him for being under the influence. Um, and then he literally, when he came to, he was, he was in the, um, he was in jail. Oh my gosh. gosh. Okay. I'm never taking that. (laughs) Well, it's interesting too. If you read the inserts, a lot of these medications specifically used for sleep, a side effect is actually insomnia. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> kind of kind of like the side effects of certain things for mental health are the opposite of what it's supposed to be helping. And yeah. I'm not, I don't want to like be paying to someone who's saying <laughs> that no one should ever take it, but no. I don't necessarily think that should be the first thing we go to. No. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I, I'll be very honest. 
I am not against medication. Thank God yeah. we have it. And, yeah. and I think there's an absolutely acute a time and a place. Yeah. Yes. And, and there's a time and a place for it. And the thing is, some of these medications, they're, they're, they're very helpful, but yeah. they're meant to be used temporarily. Exactly. And people end up using yes. them for years or decades. And yes. the pharmaceutical companies, they don't care. I mean, yeah. they're making... Bank. Billions, I'm really happy that you. I'm so happy you said that. That's such an important distinction um, that I don't think people necessarily realize. And so then you get pinged as someone who's like anti-medication. Well, no, I'm a, I'm pro you feeling better, mm. but I'm also pro you not having to rely on something for the rest of your life. Also, because you were never meant to, right? right. Your brain was literally not meant to have that in in circulation forever. Which and is why I think people struggle so much with it. And the doctors, it's not their fault, but they shouldn't be like, continue to prescribe this. Mm -hmm. It's like, if you yeah. look like, if you look at how you're supposed to prescribe some of these medications, it's like for like less than a month, yes, but somehow right. people keep going back to the doctor and whatever the doctor's yes. just writing the script for it. And yes. it's like, Hey, what are you doing? You're not following <laughs> the protocol. Like, I was on my meds for a decade. I oh was on, gosh. I was on. Uh, again, I don't know if it's bad to say the name. No, you can say the name. <laughs> oh, okay. Not, yeah. I'm like, I, I don't want to get sued. But um, I was on Xanax, Klonopin. I was yeah. on a whole cocktail of different things. And that was also back when, before we knew. So now we know also that a lot of mental health meds are linked to cognitive decline and dementia. Mm -hmm. But so that was back when benzos were just, you know, oh, you're anxious, benzos, here's yeah. a benzo. Yep. So I was on that for a decade. And I still feel like my brain is not... I don't think it ever fully recovered from 10 years of benzos slash SSRI cocktails. And I look back and I can't believe that no one ever told me I wasn't supposed to be on it long term. Mm. You know, like the people that I trusted. Yeah. But that's so common. It's it so is. common. And, and it's again, it's not the fault of the doctor. I think the yeah, doctors are well intended. They're, they're trained to prescribe. Yes, and, it's a systemic and, issue and, and a money so, issue. Yeah. And so it's like, uh, we support people. Most of the clients that we support at Sleep Science Academy, they are like yourself on sometimes a whole slew of drugs sure. that aren't even working. Hmm. The side effects are worse than, than actually. And, and we always tell them, listen, we're not here to tell you what to do with your medication, but we can guide you on how to speak to your doctor around titrating off of them. You have this, you can have this conversation with your doctor and get his approval and we can support you in addressing the root cause while you do that. Um, because Unfortunately, what happens is people try to get off of it. They, 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 they go cold Turkey or they don't do it the right ways. They don't yeah. consult their doctor and they don't have the proper support. So then they come off of it and then it, they go all hell breaks loose, anxiety, panic attacks, insomnia. And they're like, ah, oh, I got to get back on it. And then they're, they're back on it and they never kind of get off of it. Um, and then they think that they're, they're not, they're going to be on it for the rest of their life and they don't have to be. Mm. It's just, you need to get the proper support and you have to, you know, do it in, in the right ways. And that takes consulting a qualified doctor to do that, um, yeah. as well as getting support to address the underlying causes while you're doing it. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit, you've touched on it, but a little bit more about your program and your book so that people listening can look into those things. So the, the program that we have, it's, uh, essentially it's three things. It's coaching one-on-one -on -one and group coaching with technology and holistic edu online education. Mm -hmm. So essentially we give people the tools and then we give them the support they need to take action on the tools. And we use data to help them see as they're implementing these tools and getting the support, it's actually working because mm -hmm. you can't 
master what you don't measure. So we, we measure everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we work with people, we look at three areas. We look at the psychological, we look at the physiological, and then the environmental in that order. And we give people a process, uh, tools based in science, as well as a lot of different psychologies and different techniques from all different types of places to help them go from not being able to sleep to being able to sleep naturally again without the need of anything. And that mm-hmm. happens over the course of eight weeks. So that's our program at Sleep Science Academy. The book is really written for people. It's really written for anyone that wants to improve their sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a step-by-step guide for how do you, number one, why is sleep important? Number two, if you care about sleep, how do you get better quality sleep? Mm-hmm. And what are the steps to do it? I read so many different books on this topic. A lot of them were just too scientific. They were too like, it's like, no, I just want to give people, Hey, this is what to do. This is why to do it. This is how to do it. Please go do it Um, (laughs) so that you can live longer. You can be more present. You can have more energy. You could come up with new creative ideas. You can, you know, live your life in the way that life's meant to live. So that's how I I wrote the book. It's just a simple step-by-step guide for people that want to optimize this third of their life. And what is the name of the book? It's the sleep advantage. The sleep um, advantage. And that's available at all major retailers. Yes. Yeah. This okay. is this is the cover. It's it's on uh Audible It looks so well. dapper. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, I suit I suited up for the cover there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, much more relaxed today. I love sure. it. So I do want to ask one last question before we kind of round the interview out, because this is something I think would be helpful for someone to even know if they need help, because you've talked about how some people think they're getting enough sleep and they're really not. So what are some signs that would lead someone to, oh, hey, I'm not getting enough sleep? What are what are those signs just that come to mind? Yeah, the, the first sign is if you you wake up and you're not refreshed, if you wake up, you know, foggy, tired, um, if you're, if it takes you a long time to sort of get your bearings together, you're probably not getting enough sleep. Uh, the, you know, how much is enough? It depends on the person. Seven to eight hours is sort of a general blanket statement. Some people need more. Some people can get away with a little bit less. Usually not though. Seven hours is usually at the baseline. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's also, if you're, if you find that you're lethargic in the afternoon, if you feel like you're you know, you can't concentrate, you have a hard time with memory recall, things like that. Uh, often that's, you're probably not getting into these deeper stages of sleep. Mm-hmm. And I think that's helpful for people to know because a lot of people that might become their normal state and they never realize that it, that's not necessarily normal, right? They mm-hmm. just are yeah. used to that. That's really, what's really challenging with, with this specific topic is people don't realize how bad they feel until they start to feel good. Mm -hmm. So people don't know how underslept they are until they actually are well slept. And so I always say, listen, if you went on vacation or the last time you went on vacation and you're laying on a beach and you didn't have any worries and whatever, you had all the time in the world to sleep and you slept them out the hours that you slept and you woke up and you felt a certain way. Do you feel like that every day? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is no, then you're probably, there's some things that you, that you need to change because it could or be, can yes. you just sign me up for that life? Like, I'm cool with that too. <laughs> or, yeah, or, yeah, exactly. Or, <laughs> good point. Or you could just live on a beach and you, could just, you know, you could do that too. Right. Yeah, vacation all the time. Not a care right. in the world. Yeah. yeah. 
love that. So one of the, our favorite questions that we like to ask everybody that's on the podcast is what is something or a couple of things that you like to do every day that keep you feeling your best? Well, I'll tell you what I did today because I often do a lot of things. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I am a little bit of a crazy person when it comes to this, these topics. (laughs) Um, So, so today I, and every day I wake up and I do a 20 minute meditation. Mm -hmm. I use a, an app called waking up. Uh, a guy named Sam Harris. Um, it's just a, it's a mindfulness meditation app. So I sit for 20 minutes. Um, and then I, not every day, but today I did this. I usually do it like three times a week. I get in a cold tub, mm-hmm. uh, 45 degree cold tub. Um, today I had a lot of resistance Ooh. to it. It took me a long time to get in there. I was like, mm-hmm. let me clean the dishes. Let me go, like, <laughs> let me like do all this other stuff. And I'm like, oh, I'm just resisting it. And then mm-hmm. I was like, nope, I, I get in there. I'm doing it. Um, and then I went for a bike ride with my 10 month old Bernadoodle around the block. Oh, um, nice! That was my morning. That was my morning. Um, and so it, it changes, it changes what I do changes. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. you know, my nighttime routine changes right now. It's making some tea setting, uh, you know, turn on some, some really dim light and reading a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's kind of my routine or I go for a, a very light walk with my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just kind of chill after that. Um, so that's kind of like the, the, but there's a lot of things I'm always constantly experimenting and kind of toying with, but my staples for sure is, is meditation in the morning and then uh, tea in the evening. I'm a big mm. tea drinker. So love that. And then how can people best connect with you? So, and if they want to work with you, where they find you? So sleepscienceacademy.com. That's if you have sleep issues, if you're looking for more information about how you can improve your sleep on like social media and all that, it's just Devin Burke wellness, mm-hmm. um, YouTube. I have a lot of really awesome content on YouTube it's free, um, for all different types of things, how to fall asleep faster, how to rest deeper, wake up refreshed, you know, about wearable devices and paradoxes and all the things, a lot of things we talked about today, uh, mm-hmm. and a little bit more strategic sort of, uh, quick hitting advice, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the book is on Amazon and audible. So mm-hmm. yeah. Cool. We'll make sure to link all that in the show notes so people can get to it easily if they'd like to, but is there anything else that you would like to leave the listeners of the podcast with today? Yeah, there is. Um, just remember this, that sleep is something that happens when you allow it to happen. Mm-hmm. It's not something you can force or control. So don't try to force or control your sleep. And the, one of the biggest things that you could do for yourself is just allow yourself, um, to welcome whatever the night brings, whether it's a great night of sleep or terrible night of sleep. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you can constantly be working on your sleep as well, um, while you have that mentality. So it seems a little paradoxical just to kind of accept whatever the night brings, but that actually is an amazing strategy for, for a fantastic night of rest. Mm -hmm. Perfect way to end it. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for being on. That's been so informative. I really enjoyed our conversation. Mm-hmm. Likewise. Thanks. Thanks both of, of you for having me on. And I, I just, I hope that people take some uh, action on some mm-hmm. of this uh, recommendations so that they can start to improve their, their sleep and their life. So thanks for le- allowing me to share. Yeah. 100%. Thank you. 